Well, good evening, everybody. I hope you were able to enjoy church this morning if you belong to our Le Comfort congregation. And for those in Union Road who are here this morning, we had a good time together. And the rest of you can look forward to that in the next couple of weeks. But this morning, David Leach started our series as we look at these last verses in Ephesians 6, as we come towards the end of This Is Your Life. And as David looked at it with the children and with the adults this morning, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into God's Word this evening. So let me read Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll read verses 10 through to verse 18. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. So before we consider the first three verses, verses 10 to 13, let's have a brief moment in prayer. and Let us ask God for help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we can come under your word. And Lord, we pray those words that Paul says he was praying for the church in Ephesus way back in chapter 1. And I never stopped thanking for them. But Lord, we pray, the glorious Father, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better. Lord, we pray that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened in order that we might know the hope to which you have called us to, the glorious riches of inheritance for all the saints. So, Father, help us through your Spirit, we pray. Amen. In the last number of weeks, we have worked through how Christians are to live in this new way of life in different areas of life. In Ephesians 4 onwards, there's been many very practical implications for the Christian. In Ephesians 4, we're, we're told to work worthy of our heavenly calling, to watch our minds. In chapter 5, Ben Walker shared with us that we are to be influential as Christians, but also intentional, to be spending time in God's Word, to not be sleepy Christians. And then over the last couple of Sundays, we have considered very close to home our relationships between husbands and wives, parents and children, and in the workplace. And now as we approach the end of Paul's letter, 
Paul begins this section with finally. And it's not the oh, finally. We finally got to this last part of the letter. But it's not just a casual recap or to end the conversation. But what follows in these verses is like the climax of the letter. All of what Paul has written before. All that we have studied is relevant. And it's all building up to this point. This is like the final climax of the letter. Because for Paul all the way back in chapter 1. He has highlighted for us God's amazing plan from the foundations of the world. That all things are under Christ. All things in heaven and earth will be under one head. He says in verse 10 of chapter 1. That Christ will reign over all peoples. But in the meantime, what are we to do? After all that Paul has written, we are to be standing firm in the battle. That's what we're going to think about tonight. Standing firm in the battle. And maybe as you, we read those verses together, the first couple of verses, especially we have this repeat, repeated word of standing or to stand. And Paul speaks of a spiritual battle here. And these spiritual battles are very real. Sometimes as Christians, there are two extremes. One extreme is that everything is a spiritual battle. Absolutely everything. And Satan is after them. And the other extreme. Well are those who think there is no spiritual battle going on at all. Either extreme Satan is very happy with. Because you either diminish what power he has. Or you elevate what power he has. This is a spiritual battle. Maybe your mind instantly goes to demons and exorcisms but this is not where Paul goes to at all is it there's a danger of overemphasizing Satan's power yet it's so dangerous to be oblivious to Satan and the war in which we are engaged in all of scripture this is probably the main passage when it comes to spiritual warfare and Paul doesn't dive deep 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 into the darkest pits and corners of this world but the, the battle is not a mystical far off thing but the battle is in everyday life he doesn't speak about demons or territories or identifying demons but he speaks of a spiritual battle after showing us the practical implications of living a Christian in everyday life that is where Satan hopes to destroy us. Attacks will come. And we need to make sure, like Paul reminds us back in chapter 4, to not let Satan have a foothold in our lives. So we, this week and over the next few weeks, we'll be thinking about the spiritual warfare. And well, this week particularly, we're thinking about the problem and, well, the solution. And then we will parse out the solution over the next number of weeks. When I was a boy, there was a television program on the BBC called Time Commanders. And well, Richard Hammond used to host it, which is probably to get some people to watch it. But what happened in the show Time Commanders is that a family or friends would have went on the show and they would have replayed famous battles in history. 
They may be fought to get a different outcome or to retain the same outcome. Military experts would come in from centers or from universities to aid them and to give them advice as to how to play this war on the computer. Now, they tried to rewrite history in a sense, but we cannot rewrite history. And with Christ, the devil cannot rewrite history. He cannot do undo the past. Christ has won. So whenever we are engaged in this battle, that must be in the forefront of our minds. Christ has won. Christ has won. Paul gives us the battle plans here. What God has in place for his army, his people, to help us resist the enemy's approach. So let us look at these verses together. Firstly, we need to be equipped for the battle. We need to be equipped for the battle. Imagine with me for just a moment, if I were to come up with an action plan for war, where I was in charge of the army. Now we know that there are different branches of the military, that they specialize in different areas. Now I wouldn't put the RAF down on the ground or the, the army up in the air, but let's say I take the army, the military, a group of well-trained individuals, and I drop them off. I drop them off into the middle of a war zone. I drop them off and I do so and I give them no weapons. They are without equipment. They're without maps or radios. And I give them no instruction as to who they should be fighting or where they should be going to or how they should be fighting. How do you think they would get on? It would end in utter disaster, wouldn't it? I would be leading them all to death. They need to be equipped properly for that war or for that battle or for that fight. Well, do we do that to ourselves? Or maybe to our children who are sitting beside us? We drop them off in the middle of this world, in the middle of this spiritual battle, without any of the proper equipment. Because Paul wants us to understand that we need to be equipped properly for the battle because we as Christians are on the front line. We are on the front line. So how does Paul say that we are equipped for this battle? He says firstly in verse 10 that we are to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. In this battle, we cannot go into it ourselves. We need to rely on the Lord. We must be strengthened by the Lord. Where do people look for strength from do you look for strength in the wrong places you might look from within yourself relying on your own motivation or determination you might look around and look at the resources you have the money in your pocket whether it be financial or maybe mentally you try and get up the resources to get through or you look to others in friendship but it is hard to walk on the straight and narrow. For there are many temptations to draw us off course and many hindrances that slow us down. Where do we be strong? Not in our minds, not from within ourselves, but to be strong in the Lord. 
It is God's power that equips us to grow spiritually. It is God's power that moves our hearts and enables us to follow his word. Our strength comes from the Lord. It comes from Jesus. Paul refers to our relationship with Christ. It's our union with Christ, being part of the same vine. As Christians, we are in Christ. We are covered by Christ's blood and robed in his righteousness. And we are sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. We have comfort knowing that that relationship is secure in the Lord. And we rely on his power, not ours, his power. God provides us with the power for the fight. A power not within ourselves like you know, maybe open a can of Red Bull to get through a late night of writing essays or something like that. Or a marathon, a marathon runner with their, their gel pack to give them that extra boost. It's not something we just take. Are we something to let us keep going? But it is power from God. Way back in Ephesians chapter 1, turn with me to verse, uh, Ephesians 1 verse 19. Paul says... Of his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him in the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all authority. See that power. That power is for us who believe. That is the power of God that raised Christ from the dead. And elevated him to the heavenly realms who has head over all things that is the power of god's mighty strength that is the power for us not ourselves but that is god's power because we are united to him we are elevated into the heavenly realms paul tells us in chapter 1 and verse 3 it is the power of god that utterly transforms us through jesus is the power of god that makes people like me and you who were dead who were aliens and foreigners but we in christ are now alive and members of god's house we have an old nature which is disregarded and we have a new nature through the power of god in christ jesus we enter this battle we are equipped with the strength the grace and power of the Lord. We need to be equipped for the battle. And we need to be strong in the Lord and rely on his power. And then in the verse 11, the second piece of equipment, which is the one that we will look to over these weeks, is to put on the full armour of God. The full armour. Not just the bits you like, the bits and pieces maybe that are uncomfortable you don't like or you don't want to be bothered to do but it is all of it together the armor protects for a soldier to go into battle they must be properly equipped and as the christian we must be properly equipped in our walk with jesus it is with the strength from the lord and god's armor that means that we will be able to take our stand Without the power of the Lord, without the Lord's armour, we would just crumble and fall. 
We need God's sustaining hand upon us and need to use this equipment that God gives us. God's armour enables us to stand in the fight. Paul tells the Ephesians to be equipped for the battle, to stand firm by God's strength and God's armour in the middle of the spiritual battle. It's not our own valiant efforts or reliance on ourselves, but we stand firm. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God's power is at work within us so we can stand firm. We don't need to invade or to attack. Why? Because well, Christ has already won. We defend ourselves. We need to be relying on God's power. We need to have God's full armour on. In British history, before camouflage, uniforms were used at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, the British soldiers often fought in scarlet in order that they would be easily identified. That people would see them coming and they would see each other. It was part of the uniform. Had to be changed because as wars developed, the scarlet stood out. They needed to change uniforms. They needed to have the right dress on. The British military, wherever they are serving, would be at a total disadvantage today if they turned up to war or to battle with their ceremonial dress on, wouldn't they? And as Christians, we need to have the armour on, all of it. The proper armour. Forget a bit and you'll be hit. Our equipment for battle is to take strength in the Lord and to put on the armour in order that we might be able to stand firm. So we have the equipment for battle. What about the battle itself? In verse 12, uh, I'm not sure what your version of the Bible says, but it will say struggle or wrestle. And well, the better word is wrestle here. This war is described as a wrestle hand-to-hand combat see this Greek word that Paul uses it's it's really used as a contest between two people which they are endeavoring to throw one another over and the victor is described by who can pin the other down by the throat it really is the most desperate life and death situation totally energy zapping a constant constant wrestle That is the battle in which we are in. A life and death situation. So to be in part of this war and this battle, we need to know who we are facing, what tactics we will encounter, and where the battle takes place. So who are we fighting? For the last months, We have heard about the invisible enemy of COVID-19, of this virus, haven't we? And while Paul, he points us also to an invisible enemy, but an enemy that we can see impacting all around us. Invisible, yet the evidence is all around us. It is the devil, it is Satan, and you see that in verse 11 there. But as Paul continues into verse 12, 
we need to understand that our ultimate enemy in life is not flesh and blood. We do not need to lift up arms against people. This spiritual war is a different war to human wars. It is not bloodsheds and beatings. There's another battle going on. And Paul ramps up the emphasis here, doesn't he, from rulers to authorities to powers, spiritual forces. Paul wants us to look beyond people and look beyond that. Look deeper into that. And you'll see that it is the devil and his schemes. See, as Christians, we often only see the physical risk. And we forget about the invisible risk. There is a spiritual risk at stake when we are not engaging with God's word, when we don't get to go to church or to the prayer meeting. This is spiritual warfare and our faith will be challenged. Yes, Satan is misleading people and we should not be cruel against them and to lift up our swords, as it were, against them. We need to pray for them that they would no longer be deceived by the evil one. The real enemy is Satan himself. How does scripture describe Satan? Well, the devil, the slanderer, the false accuser, the tempter, the evil one, the father of lies, murderer. In Genesis 3, he's described as crafty. And in 1 Peter 5, as a roaring lion seeking to devour. That is our enemy. If you do not think this is serious, remember some of those names that were given to the devil. Tempter, liar, murderer. If you are struggling to imagine the spiritual risk it is to you, imagine the image that Peter uses of a roaring lion seeking to devour. Imagine the physical risk of hopping into a cage with a lion who hasn't eaten in days. Imagine the physical risk and harm that would do to you where there's no way out. Imagine that physical risk and that is the spiritual risk to us when it comes to Satan. Satan is our enemy. Satan is wicked. Satan is powerful, but not as powerful as our Lord Jesus. It is Satan who is the enemy. And well, what are his schemes or what are his tactics? As Paul speaks of in verse 11. We need to know the strengths and weaknesses in fighting a war. We need to know what the devil will use against us to threaten, to attack, to wound and to kill us. In war or in sports, tactics are used to expose maybe a weakness in the opposition. And Satan is no different. He is seeking to provoke us. Or to highlight our weakness to expose us we need to know of his scheming see as Paul writes to these Ephesians remember all the way back whenever we first started in Acts 19 it was a city full of superstitions of Artemis of witchcraft of sorcery and we see in Acts 19 with all their idols that the spirits and demons it was maybe possible for the people of Ephesus to assume that Satan would attack them in that way. That the evil one would attack them through demons 
and spirits. But Paul doesn't even mention it here. Satan is a schemer. As Christians, we will face a battle. We are actively engaged as I speak. Maybe you'll come back and listen to me after you've drifted off in the sofa there. But Paul has already indicated to us in this letter that there will be hostility as Christians. It's inevitable that we will be attacked. And when it comes to war, it's important to be prepared to know who we are facing but also the style of fighting that they enjoy. Paul tells us to be aware of these schemes. Satan is devious and subtle. And Paul in chapter 4 has pointed out some of the ways in which he works. Because he works in our former lives and he can make things look attractive to us. He camouflages the evil behind that front picture as it were. He he camouflages the evil to make things look attractive to us. But surely one of Satan's schemes, after Paul has just finished in these previous verses, surely one of the devil's schemes is to attack us in our homes or lead us into thinking that it'll just be okay, that Satan doesn't work in everyday things. But are you seeking to be a faithful Christian in your home as a husband or wife? Because that is where Satan will look to attack. Are you seeking to be a faithful parent or child? That is where Satan will want to attack. If he attacks the parents and the fathers in bringing up their children in the faith, well, he might get the whole family, mightn't he? Are you seeking to be a godly parent or godly child? That is where Satan is looking to attack. Are you seeking to be a faithful Christian in work? That is where Satan will look to attack. Are we seeking to be intentional with God's word? Because whenever we drift, that is what Satan wants. To just leave it for another time or another day. To not engage with prayer with fellow Christians. To not engage with God's word. Not have fellowship with God's people after or over God's word. We have challenges to keep going with God's word. We have decisions now as we come back to church week by week or full time in the comfort to go or not to go. We can't be just drifting from one Sunday turn to the next because that is where Satan will look to attack. This struggle, this wrestle is vicious. And we need to be vigilant. It is everyday life where Satan seeks to attack. How else does Satan get to us? How does the devil get to us? This word devil in the Greek is the word for slander or accuser. The devil lies to us. The devil is a liar. He lies, he manipulates God's word. He is the great deceiver. The deceiver that causes us to doubt God's word. Like in Genesis, he asks the question, did God really say? And well, he does that to us. He takes God's word out of context. Whenever he's tempting Jesus, he quotes from Psalm 91 that 
throw, Jesus getting Jesus to throw himself down. And Jesus says, no, Jesus knows that's out of context. Satan uses God's word to manipulate, to confuse, to doubt. We need to be ready for his schemes and tactics. We need to know God's word better. Satan will lie to us. He will tempt us to sin against God. Satan will tell us, doesn't matter about God, he'll forgive you anyway. He'll tell us to say to ourselves, I'm not nosy, I'm just concerned for others. Or I'm not prideful, I'm just confident. Or I'm not greedy with my money, but I'm just economical. I don't have a problem with lust or alcohol, I just enjoy it from time to time. Those lies are Satan dripping into your mind to make you think sin isn't as bad as you think or that you deserve that little bit of extra in life. Or he will guilt trip us to past sins, convince us our thoughts are wrong, to, to think of as a Christian, or how on earth could a Christian do that or think that, that God cannot accept you now. Satan is the great deceiver slanderer he knows all our buttons to press he knows all our strings to pull he knows what tempts us to take our eyes off jesus where do you find yourself falling to satan's lies now we come to the battlefield itself into verse 13 Though we all face challenges of evil, the theatre of war is in the heavenly realms. Back in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Paul says that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Knowing Christ means we are blessed in Christ. And these heavenly realms, although they are blessed because we are in Christ, it is also the battlefield. To be in the battlefield is to be a Christian. To know Christ is to be in relationship to Jesus means that we will be facing the battle. Because as Christians, Satan is firmly against us. Before we knew Christ, we were enemies to God and that's the way Satan likes it because he's an enemy of God too. That is why whenever we become Christians, it can be much harder Temptation seems much fiercer and greater than before. Why? Because, well, as far as Satan is concerned, you're on the wrong side. Part of our lives as Christians is to be tempted away from Jesus, to wander from Christ's fold in everyday life. Although we are now in this battle, although Satan is looking to destroy us, to devour us, pull us away from Jesus, Whenever we take strength in the Lord, whenever we have God's armour on, as we remain in Christ, Christ is winning the battle. Yes, Paul tells us that a day of evil will come, but when it comes, we remain standing. Verse 13, do you see that? We remain standing. After all the vicious fighting, we have God's armour. We've done everything we could to stand the ground because we remain in Jesus and we stand. We've made it. 
But it's not our victory. It is Christ's victory. Whenever we are being tempted, whenever we are in the spiritual battle, we need to remember that the devil is defeated. We have confidence because Christ has already won the victory for us. His death on the cross and conquering the grave to bring all his people to glory with him. We stand. Because that Satan, although he will throw everything at us, he knows the battle is lost, but he's looking to bring as many people as possible he can bring with him. But he will fail. He will lose this battle. The decisive victory has been won. Satan's head has been crushed under Christ's feet. Satan is defeated, but he will not quit. Christ has won, and we must not quit. We must continue to remain firm in our faith, relying on the Lord's power and strength and wearing God's armour. Like time commanders, maybe try to replay history, get a different outcome. Satan, he tries to replay the battle, but he cannot win. History is history. The past is the past. Christ is risen. And we will always last. Because we have faith in our Lord and Jesus Christ. And over the next few weeks, we will look more closely at this armour that God provides for us as we stand firm against the enemy. We have a, a couple of questions to follow up this time under God's word. And the first slide, the questions you'll see up on your screen, God willing. And there are the going deeper questions that many of us studied maybe in May and June. And this is just a, a, maybe a little starter. The next set of questions are, are deeper in a sense. But just what stood out for us? What are we unclear about? What sort of application came out? And what could we be praying for? And then the next slide. These are the additional questions and I'll drop these pictures in on a WhatsApp group uh, to maybe make it easier for you instead of getting up to pause uh, your iPad or whatever you're watching on. And we hope that you're able to Make time to look at this with your husband or wife or maybe you've got others over to study this because it would be really beneficial for us all to do that. So here are the additional questions as we think about this tonight. Do you tend to make little or too much of spiritual battles or Satan and his power? How can you be equipped for the battle? What practical things can you do to put on the full armour of God? What do you know about Satan and his tactics? How does that help you? And finally, can you identify your buttons that Satan seeks to press? So I pray that you would have a, a wonderful time thinking about that and that your faith would grow, that as doing that, you feel like you're putting on God's armor for us as we stand against the evil one. But before you begin that 
let's close our time in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we praise you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you that he is the victor. That he is that promised seed all the way back from Genesis 3 that would strike the serpent, that would kill Satan. Father, help us to grasp your power. Help us to grasp the victory that you have over this evil one. Lord, as we close, we use the words from Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.